0: Everybody, welcome to the Tech Raptor podcast. I'm Robert screpanito your features editor. College Doggett, site founder.
1: Andrew Stretch, console editor.
0: Console editor, you are editing all the consoles.
1: Yep, it's been a big week for console editing. Oh yeah, yeah. Some deletions, some additions. Yep. There's a lot going on. Oh,
0: there is a lot going on because we're going to talk about in the new segment, all three of the major console players uh, and, and in the game segment, we're going to talk about Ravenlock, one of the new releases on Xbox Game Pass, as well as Star Wars Jedi Survivor, including spoilers, which we will save at the end and we will flag them. So you will know if you haven't finished the game yet to hop off and not listen to the spoilers until you finish the game. And you can come back. hear our thoughts on it. But we'll let's you we will miss you. But, you know, may the force be with you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, let's jump into Sony. They have shut down their first-party studio, Pixel Opus, who you might know from creating that one game, Concrete Genie, uh, back in 2019. And also a game called Entwined from almost 10 years ago now, back in 2014. Um, this was revealed when Pixel Opus posted on, I believe, Twitter Dear friends, our Pixel Opus adventure has come to an end. As we look to new futures, we wanted to say a heartfelt thank you to the millions of passionate players who have supported us and our mission to make beautiful, imaginative games with heart. We are so grateful. Uh, This comes right off the heels of Sony just acquiring Firewalk Studios not too long ago, right? And then I think, the, the day we're recording the podcast, I mean, there's rumors going around that Sony is an exclusive deals to lock down some stuff from Konami. Who knows if that's true, but you know, this is kind of just a come and go, give and take kind of situation we're in right now with Sony.
1: It's, it's very strange in like the, the, how much growth is happening, but also how much shedding we're seeing around the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it looks like, uh, pixel opus was working on a new game. Um, so, you know, and, you know, we did some looking around and couldn't t- find too much about that, but you'd have to think if Concrete Genie shipped in 2019, um, then, you know, now four years later, they probably weren't too far away from getting the point of, like, showing it unless there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on behind the scenes that will likely never see the light of day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is uh, the second studio Sony has shut down in two years, right? Because I think in mm-hmm. 2021 they shut down Japan's dude J- Sony Japan, Japan studio, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So there is definitely a bit of shedding going on amid all of their slow growth, too, where The acquisitions these, and all.
1: These have also, I think, Sony Japan more than than Pixel Opus, but those are also two of the studios that were kind of doing more of the non-traditional like the the non blockbustery stuff Mm -hmm. um that we're now so used to seeing out of sony Mm -hmm. um which is a real shame
0: the things that aren't quite as in line with sony's kind of north star you might say yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, live service
2: games is that is that the north star
0: yes that is (laughs) yep ghost of tsushima famously all about the loot boxes (laughs) Um, yeah, it it does seem like Sony is trying to like focus down on what they do best, which I mean, is not a bad strategy necessarily, right? Like, I mean, if you look at their first party roster, it's probably what is selling PS5s at the rate that they're selling them, right? Like everyone wants to see what God of War is about. Everyone wants to see what this HBO show was like before it was a show. Um, so I mean, it's kind of hard to blame them for focusing down on what it is best for them. But it is still sad for the people who work at Pixel Opus who now are out of a job.
1: Or, or for the people who don't want, who don't always want the gritty AAA blockbuster that want the series about, you know, kids going through time recapturing monkeys or um, Gravity Rush or Concrete Genie. Um, you I know, kind think of, for a kind second
2: of, about that first example. Right. right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was which was part of Japan studio. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, classic spin-off of
0: Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater.
1: Oh, that was such <laughs> a good mini-game, Measle Gear Solid. <laughs> God. It's so fucking good.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just not gonna see these smaller things come out of Sony first party as much, maybe. Um which is an interesting and different strategy than what Xbox is doing, right? Because Xbox is kind of all about, I mean, Game Pass, right, is like probably one of the best movers of indie games. Um, yeah. But then even their big studios, they're, they're pushing out games like Hi-Fi Rush, right? That aren't quite the big triple-A blockbuster thing, but more, you know, here's a tight, smaller experience.
1: Yeah, <sighs> I mean, Xbox like...
2: has been more indie-focused were a lot longer than anyone else i think like you look back at you know xbox 360 you had xbox arcade which was usually Mm -hmm. pretty small games (laughs) um things that probably would not have seen the light otherwise you see id at xbox which is a big kind of game promotion wing um and then you're seeing a lot of smaller games end up on games pass to hit kind of a broader audience like i think one of the favorite ones I have that ended up on Games Pass was RoboQuest, mm-hmm. um, which is just a really enjoyable kind of um, roguelike shooter that had decent traction on Steam. But from what I understand, when it went over to Xbox Games Pass, like it bl- did really well. Right. And so it's really good to continue to see games that deserve some attention get that attention through the platform. And I wish that Sony did that a little bit more. Mm. Um, you know, I think they've got a good install
0: base and there's a lot of opportunity for indies to thrive there as well. Agreed. Well, I think part of it too is it's interesting to see the strategy come from them where, because we also know, right, that for years now, Sony's been trying to push uh, more live service, right? They, there was that one one time where they were like, we have 14 live service projects <laughs> in the work or some shit. Um, and active, like if this were Activision, be like well bye bye vicarious visions but all of you shift over to work on call of duty right Mm -hmm. whereas here sony it doesn't seem like they're doing that as as far as my understanding of the story goes it's not like the people at pixel opus are now working on some unannounced sony live
1: service game right yeah definitely that's not the that's definitely not the vibe that that the announcement gave out it definitely gave a like goodbye we are gone you know, see us pop up elsewhere. Yeah, kind of, kind of situation.
0: Exactly. Um, now let's shift over and talk about Xbox. Uh, there's been a lot of Xbox news uh, this past week because Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, went on the kind of funny Xcast uh, to kind of, kind of get grilled. Honestly, it was a little. Um, I mean, it's been a rough week for Xbox, right? Uh, so it kind of makes sense for. You know, there, there's this opportunity, right, for Snowbike Mike and Gary Witta and Paris Lilly to ask all these questions, these harder questions than you might expect. Um, definitely still have a nice slant. I mean, they are the Xbox podcast, right? Like, of course, you're going to be kind of nice. About it, was,
1: it. it was like a it was like a none of us want to be here doing this, but like we would be doing a disservice to the listeners if we did not ask these hard questions. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah, boy. So- I think what the podcast came out on Monday. And I think that the rest of the week I was seeing nothing but um but repurposed pull quotes from it. Um, mm-hmm. fueling fueling everyone's clicks.
0: <laughs> and if you would like to yep. see some of those repurposed pull quotes, you can go to techraptor.net slash news. <laughs> yeah, no, like
1: to- <laughs> we're guilty of it. We're talking about it today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe the first, the biggest one to me is the... Uh, I mean, this is kind of like a, a non-news, but still news because it came out of Phil's mouth on a live stream. But mm-hmm. that they're disappointed by the UK's uh, CMA's decision about saying no to the acquisition of Activision Blizzard King, but they will appeal it, which, you know, I mean, not unexpected, right? Of course, you are going to want to they Yeah, yeah they've, already,
1: they've already said as much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it'll just mean that we'll get to keep talking about major acquisitions in the industry
0: yeah you know they may not be a monopoly yet but they've definitely monopolized the gaming news space because that's (laughs) all anyone talks about right yeah that was just the whole week like everybody just fighting over what
2: he did and didn't say and
1: yeah it's been it's been a lot Mm -hmm. to me the most interesting quote that came out of all of that was phil really like highlighting that to have lost the xbox one ps4 generation was the worst generation that they could have lost because of the establishment of digital libraries that thanks dom mm-hmm. metric well i mean yeah and no <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> yeah um but it was just very very crazy to think because yeah that had been something that i personally had not really thought of too much is that like, yeah, every single time, like from now on, chances are when, you know, you buy your PlayStation seven, your PlayStation nine, you're, you're going to be coming into it with some level of install base. um, As, as, you know,
0: I, I thought Sony believed in generations.
1: Yeah. But yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think i think even if there is only one generation back like like sony came into the ps5 generation with saying like okay we're gonna do support for ps4 disc games and playstation 5 games and then they've been you know dragged kicking and screaming over some proverbial line to offer more backwards compatible stuff um but yeah and i think that that's kind of you know It's an extra strength to Game Pass to be like, this is our impressive library. You can pay $10 a month and look, you are now invested in the, in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But it is, it is definitely weird to think like going from a Super Nintendo to a Nintendo 64 or a PlayStation one. It's like, well, it doesn't, it didn't matter. Like you don't even really know what's going to be coming out, you know, unless you're you're reading from uh, gaming magazines. So it's just a, you know, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Um, yeah. And yeah. now thought, it's like you've got that investment.
0: Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting point. I agree that I didn't think about how the digital space kind of affects generations like that. And I wonder if part of that part of that is just our privilege, right, as like we get free codes every now and then, like to do work with it. but you know, we don't have to think as much about like, where do we, where do we have to like be, where's our home console, right? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I wonder if that's something we maybe oversee just based on the gig that we have, right? Um, But I do think that there's there's a point to that, right? Where you can bet your bottom dollar that when we get to the PS7 and the Xbox Series Epsilon, at some point, they're gonna be all digital. Like there's not gonna be a disc drive anymore. Right, I don't know if that's the
1: next generation or the generation after, or I even mean beyond. But going, going by what patents Sony has, and you know everyone claiming that you know whatever the PlayStation Five Pro is is one hundred percent in production, it's almost looking like the this PlayStation Five Pro is going to be digital only, and you can also get an external hard drive, uh, an mm-hmm. external disc drive, mm. um, if you want to, and. I mean, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, and people might look at that and lament the fact that you don't have a disc drive. Um, but like most laptops, most computers, you know, you go out of your way if you want a CD drive or a Blu-ray drive. Um, I had been given a, a CD for something a few years ago and I was like, Oh cool. And I had to like do a double take and think like, what can I even run this on in my house? And it was like the only disc drive I have that is actively working is my Series X. But if they had offered a digital-only Series X, I would have bought that instead.
0: Yeah, yeah, same. I mean, do you have a record player? You can put the CD on it upside down and let the needle kind of. If it
1: if it hadn't <laughs> oh. been for if it hadn't been for the Xbox. If I wanted to listen to that CD, I would have had to have pulled out my PS2. Mm. Nice. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think for me, the most accessible, like, I mean, I have the PS5 and Xbox with a disk drive, but if I didn't have those, it'd be my car. Like, that's the next CD drive that I have. <laughs> you know? Think about my car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your Xbox series car. Um, my car I mean, doesn't even I, have a CD drive anymore. Really? Wow.
1: Yeah. Like my, my car, you know, I've got, I've got like a little automatic wireless charging thing that grabs my phone and I have an echo auto in my car. Um, no CD. The, uh, I mean, it, it, but it, it, you know, it's a separate device, but you know, if I sit down in my car and I want to listen to music, I just announce, you know, echo play this song right like it didn't even i don't even fuck with the dials it's like twice a year i get to refumble and figure out how to change it for daylight savings (laughs) and like that is all i touch my dashboard
0: wow yeah that is kind of crazy well with uh going back to like the consoles right i think digital is like kind of the big future. And that kind of mm-hmm. ties into, I think one of the last things Phil said in the interview is that they're not in the business of, quote unquote, out consoling uh, Sony or Nintendo, which makes a lot of sense, right? What's which, which again, like if we're going into a digital future and we know Xbox is trying to do the like play anywhere thing, very literally like stretch, you just bought a TV with an Xbox yeah. inside kind of, right?
1: <laughs> so- Yeah, it was weird. Uh, yeah, I got one of the, the Samsung TVs that has like- Game streaming built in. I still have yet to like sit down and try it just to, to see how well it works, right? But it was like even then, like I plugged the Xbox in and the TV knew it was an Xbox it was connected to, changed the input to Xbox Series X, and even put the Xbox Series X logo on that HDMI input. Wow, um, nice. and it's like games <laughs> play games,
0: <laughs> yeah but i think that's the future we're moving to that's the future xbox wants right is that you mm-hmm. can pull out your phone your tablet the tv already has the xbox app in it like x the future of xbox isn't a machine it's an app right mm-hmm. i think it's both. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah it, it can, is it can be pulled, yeah. yeah i think i think
2: that's the slant we're gonna see over the coming years we're gonna move away from physical and all of the ramifications that come with that in terms of game preservation um but the direction of, of gaming, I think, is also kind of the heading the same way of 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 work in terms of doesn't really matter where you are or what you're using. You can play, mm-hmm. um, you know, PC, for example, you know, you had the Steam Deck release and that picked up traction quickly. And now we're starting to see other companies building newer and better versions of that, which allow you to play your games anywhere, you know, I think the one thing I remember early on with Xbox games pass was when final fantasy 15 came to it, I could play either on my computer or on my Xbox and it would just transfer the save. Um, Mm -hmm. Which to me was a nice thing. Like, all right, I'm playing 15 in the living room. All right. Wife wants to watch something on the TV. I just come in here and play it on my, on my desktop. Like Mm -hmm. it offers a significant amount of versatility and for Xbox, it doesn't need a console to work.
1: And that was that was something that we saw. We saw Xbox use as a major selling point, like this will be an Xbox Play Anywhere title. And a lot of people were like, oh, okay, whatever, Xbox Play Anywhere, it's marketing. And then we had like all of the issues with um, Spider-Man, uh, Marvel mm-hmm. Spider-Man and the cross-save situation. And that if you were playing on a PS4, and then you moved to a PS5, you could initiate like a one-time save transfer that would convert the PS4 save into a PS5 save, but then they would be like two independent things. It's not like it would like sync back for you, right? Um, yeah, That was very very weird.
0: Yeah, whereas um, Xbox, they're they're they acquired Todd Howard just for this that you can just say it just works,
1: right? Yeah like for Xbox. It trademarked just... it. So yeah. that was really the whole purpose behind the the right. acquisition there is that they wanted to just be able to say it works.
0: Yes. Um, but let's talk about that elephant in the room, right? The Zenimax elephant in the room of Redfall, um, oh, which boy. has been uh, a blemish on Xbox's prestigious uh, record of first-party studios, first-party games. Um, So it came out. I don't know if you've seen reviews because it's kind of old news by now, by the time you're listening to this, but Redfall apparently isn't that great. It is at best mediocre. It's at worst a technical mess, depends who you ask. But I think you'd be hard pressed to find people who are genuinely like, this is the greatest game ever made. Uh, And Phil Spencer is aware of this. Uh, He has said in the interview that they did internal playtestings and internal review scores were double digits higher than like the metacritic open critic scores right which is interesting to see um but he apologized for the game said that it's a huge disappointment whenever they disappoint the gamers and uh he's still committed to 60 fps eventually for redfall and to continue to work on it to make it better
2: yeah i mean looking at my xbox app on my pc it has a 1.7 um review score and people just saying i can't even launch it Mm. um huge miss
0: just massive i mean stretch is our resident we joke about it a lot about him being our resident like game pass (laughs) show but even you were like
1: no i'm (laughs) good yeah i like it it had been on it had been on my radar to at least check out to to play some of um and it's just been a thing that has not like it has not filtered high enough on my like, oh, I, I need to get to this to even pull up and check out. Um, you know realistically, that might be something that I check out through like the the game streaming on my TV when I do, just to like see what this is like. Um, but you know, like i've I've been I've been replaying uh, Breath of the wild instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and like trying to relearn those janky controls, um, because that's just like that is that is more interesting to me to replay the game that I have 100% completed, um, than than to check out whatever is going on with Redfall. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So I have checked it out because I felt like if we we're going to talk about it on the show, I should at least have some first party or firsthand knowledge of it. And it's mm-hmm. basically free because I have Game Pass and all games on Game Pass are free. <laughs> um, man, it is it is rough. I feel bad for the internal reviewers who did who said it was good. I don't know where they're like either they're the nicest yes men in the world, in which case they should not be internal reviewers for your game. Mm -hmm. or they're oblivious, which also they shouldn't really be internal reviewers for your game. Or, you know, maybe there's like some sort of, um, hierarchy problem, you know, like, cause like Phil's at the top who knows how many layers of, you know, Mm -hmm. vice president managers are under him. Right. And maybe just the messages aren't getting filtered through either way. Redfall, I think does not make a strong first impression. I think there is something about it that will stick out to you from the start. Uh, my Mm -hmm. first, uh, sign that i was in for a wild ride is i installed it on my pc booted it up to play it and i said oh we have an update to install and it reinstalled the entire ass game i love that <laughs> and it is like it it is just a uh, rough it looks like a 360 it looks like left 4 dead 2 honestly which left 4 dead 2 is a fine game but mm-hmm. graphically you know it's definitely not quite the cutting edge in 2023 mm-hmm um when you sprint you truly feel like a camera floating forward not a human mm. being bipedal running you know uh, mm. the guns feel weak and the reloads are slow and the aiming is something off about it powers are underwhelming like overall it is just a it is surprising that Xbox would release it in the state it is in also just not what we've come to expect from
2: Arcane yes. it's very uncharacteristic And I mean, confusing. Having a game launch in this state is just incredibly surprising. Like, there should be enough internal kind of checks and balances, the internal reviewers to begin with, um, that prevent something like this. But I don't know if it was we have to hit this deadline and just ship it, like we've seen a lot in the last couple of years or if you know they really were oblivious to kind of the flaws of the game and to them it seemed good mm. um it's just very strange
0: yeah it definitely felt like a game cosplaying as an arcane game which feels pretty weird considering <laughs> it, it is an arcane game because there are bits and pieces that are like here are some notes scattered around to like so you can kind of immerse yourself in the world a bit more but mm-hmm then you know you have your three other friends who are running around and doing their own immersive thing and like every time they find a note it sh- it tells you you found a note do you want to read it so it's you know yeah. it just kind of goes against what what you would expect you know i saw I somebody this.
2: tweet too that they saw like in the world building like the world itself they saw all of the evidence of arcane but everything else was absent of it um To where kind of the the way the environments were designed and and the way that you could find information or lore was very arcane like, and they recognized that but everything else just dampened the experience for them.
0: Kind of I kind of see where they're coming from with it, but I think there is a part of the, the feeling of the map is very dead. You know, it's very quiet. It's very open. A lot. You well, are trying, trying to be empires. Of course,
1: it's going to be dead. Of course, of course they're it's, dead. Yes. Or Thank you. My <laughs> God. yes.
0: Uh, reflections don't work, probably for canon reasons. Uh, but no, <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: the way you get away with it. Yeah. yeah.
0: But no, there is a lot of just empty running around in the game. Like, truly, just, you know, I have to get from point yeah. A to point B, and the quickest way is a straight line, and there's nothing interesting between me and B. You know, it's just runs in like That there. other
2: game you played this year for
0: Spoken? Forspoken was better, easily better. Easy, easy, easily better. I'm not going to play the Forspoken DLC, but it was better
1: than Redfall for sure. I mean, this this just seems like a game that they knew wasn't going to hit. They've known for a while wasn't going to hit. You know, they have this this internal um, this internal set that like every quarter we're going to release a big game. And this was the big game and it it more feels like uh, it's a it's a sending it out kill fee kind of thing. Yeah, like just we're going to put it out. We know it's not going to do good. We're going to move on to the next thing uh, with the next thing being Starfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, you look
0: at the release windows around it, too, right? Like Star Wars a week before Zelda a week after. Right. It's definitely like uh, you can easily miss this game and you'll probably be fine
1: yeah it's it's poised in such a position that it is going to be so quickly forgotten Mm -hmm. i think like especially you know from when the podcast comes out we've got four days until tears of the kingdom um which looks fucking incredible Mm. um that i just think that you know people people are going to move on we are not going to be talking or thinking much about redfall in two weeks we'll see you know at at the Xbox event they'll do their big sizzle reel and they'll put like a second and a half of redfall and everyone will go yeah remember that game and then like that's it mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, i mean it's literally star wars redfall uh zelda diablo final fantasy 16 like it just fighter it's it's mm-hmm. buried at this point
0: mm-hmm. uh, yeah Uh, one thing I do kind of want to zoom out on a bit here with the Xbox stuff though, is there was a big debate, I would say, or a little bit of a discussion point on the internet for the week, right? Of like, sure. Xbox for years now has had the the game pass trump card, right? Mm -hmm. But we're seeing more and more of these first party games, maybe not quite hit the mark for Xbox. Do we feel that there's a point where there's too many blemishes on the record and maybe game pass just doesn't quite feel worth it? Or do we feel like that's kind of a, a apples and oranges kind of situation here? I think the, the, I, think the, I the think
2: the value of Games Pass
0: isn't just the first-party titles, honestly. I mean, I would argue that's not even part of my calculation of why I keep my Game Pass subscription going.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that that's that's definitely it's a huge it's a huge PR point, a huge sell point to be like our games day one this is where you can play them and you can play them anywhere. Um, but, you yeah, know, I, I agree that it's not, you know, and it, it might just be because they've been having, like, a slew of misses with their first-party titles. Um, I guess Hi-Fi Rush was great, um, you know, to just be like, hey, here's this cool game. Everyone was like, wow, this game is so cool. And then it's like, you can be playing it right now. Go mm-hmm. go download it. And, like, mm-hmm. that's that's a cool, that's a hype thing to be able to do um and yeah like if they had been consistently nailing it i think if if the first party games had been going well it would be a huge part of the messaging like if halo mm-hmm. had gone great if redfall had become good um if you know people were Fable like super Legend. into age of empires um like if all of those things had like landed and landed strong then i think that The first party aspect would be a much larger part of the discussion but it them not being strong i think that it's not that that's like a negative to game pass because i mean you're still getting a game like at the end of the day you know it's not like oh we released another bad game i guess someone has to come to your house and you know hit you with a baseball bat like there's no loss on the consumer side right um for for the game not landing Mm-hmm. so i think it just it becomes less of the conversation and instead i'm looking at oh Ravenlock, and in six months um you know uh jedi survivor will be added to it i'm like that's going to be cool and right
0: yeah and starfield will be there probably riddled with bugs let's be f- it's about that Bethes- that's not even a sl- I mean, slam Bethes- on stuff that's like a bethesda, <laughs> it's, thing. Just bethesda. it's built yeah. in right <laughs> they're it's a features. feature yeah they're part of the creation engine um and I, I don't know, I think my take on it is Phil said something that I thought was very interesting in the interview where he is a proponent of, like, just because the studio is good at making this one thing doesn't mean they have to stick with making that one thing. Um, and he pointed to Grounded as an example with Obsidian and Tango Game works with Hi-Fi Rush, right? Like, those are two mm-hmm. very out of left field for both of those studios. No one was expecting Hi-Fi Rush from Tango yep. and no one was expecting Grounded from uh, Obsidian. And in the same mm-hmm. way here, maybe people weren't quite expecting what Redfall is from Arcane. And this was unfortunately a miss. Hi-Fi Rush was a hit. Grounded was a slow eventual hit from my understanding. People are liking Grounded mm-hmm. after 1.0. Yeah. Um, but at first, you know, it's kind of like, oh, that's neat, but whatever. Right. So I think... Game Pass is just like we've we've said for years now that Game Pass is a great place to find like the smaller experimental stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a philosophy that's kind of bleeding into the first party studios as well. So right now, yeah, Redfall, kind of a pretty bad hit. Maybe in a year or two from now, we'll see a Redfall 2.0 that is decent or worth playing. I don't know if... That's something that appeals to many people right now, but I don't think that's really the point. I think the point is Microsoft is willing to let their studios do weird shit or new stuff, which is exciting on the face. It may not be exciting in execution, but if Arcane sticks around and they create another new thing, whether that's a Dishonored 3 or something totally weird, like a Katamari Damacy kind of game, you know, I'm I'm on board to see what they want to try to do, you know? And Game Pass is an easy, accessible way for players to not really lose that much money on trying out a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a shame that Redfall kind of ended up the way it is. I think part of it was just maybe a messaging problem, too. I think they were trying to bank on, like, arcane strengths without truly divorcing it from, like, it's it's a different thing. It's its own thing. Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. yeah it's like oh you guys love this company this is a great company it's like yeah but this is nothing that they've ever done before like this is right. so far removed from what we're we know from them so like it using their reputation and then simultaneously having an interview where you say well we're trying not to bank on their reputation or like you know we're trying not to to force them to do the thing that they've always been known to do pretty well mm-hmm. um, yeah. so it's very weird
0: yeah, like, like you gotta you gotta be all in on that strategy, right? Like when when mm-hmm. they were when they revealed Hi-Fi Rush, you know, it was very jokingly like from the creators of Evil Within. No, seriously, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. Like obviously God. you know where they're from, but they're not. This isn't an Evil Within sequel or anything like that. Uh, our last bit of news today: Nintendo. They love love their lawyers throwing out those DMcas. Uh, the most recent one being a bunch of DMcas at GitHub one of which took down a uh, which is software that you can use to kind of download your switch games keys to be able to play them on an emulator, presumably on PC most likely. Um, and now that software is DMCA taken down.
1: Yeah, this is, I mean, Nintendo and emulators are a, a Tango partner that have been dancing for decades. Yeah. Um, between how, how litigious they are with DMCA takedowns on ROM sites, um, you know, and there's always, there's always something to be said for emulators and their illegal uses and also game preservation. Um, you know, so many games, you know, especially with the shutdown of the Wii Shop and the Wii U eStore and the 3DS eStore that there is a shit ton of software out there that there is zero way to access it legally Um, Mm -hmm. but i think for for this the way that the way that the piracy check works from my understanding is that like the game will check to see like hey do you have an up-to-date version of these keys that everyone's nintendo switch has these keys it's what allows you to play and like get through that piracy filter, um, that piracy check. Um, and by DMCAing this tool, what it will effectively do will be remove someone with a modded Switch's ability to download the keys from their own Switch, to which immediately the world of piracy is like, well, they are they're Nint- they're Switch keys from my Nintendo Switch. Why shouldn't I have access to them? And it's like, well probably like the fact that those then get shared and it allows for anyone to play any game online. Mm -hmm. Um, This is especially relevant as you know, we know that tears of the kingdom has broken street date. Yep. And Mm -hmm. is now. Yeah. Available. And this is the same thing that has happened for every recent Pokemon release. Um,
0: Wasn't, wasn't there a story around Metroid dread? Like, after it launched, everyone was like, oh, but you can play it in 4K, 60 FPS on PC. If
2: yeah, you... there was. Yeah. Yeah, that was. I think Kotaku I get... or somebody posted an article that's like, here's how to do it. And everybody was like, guys, can you not?
1: Yeah, it was like the, the best place to play Metroid Dread is on your PC. It was something along those lines, which is like, I mean, you're not wrong that like technically... Um, that's going to be the strongest place, but also the games, the game's been out for 24 hours, guys, like cool it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, so, you know, tech, this is like, this all follows back to this interesting thing that technically emulators are legal, but it's once you have the IP that is not yours, IE Nintendo's IP in forms of like ROMs or ISOs or, um, I don't even know what Switch emulation uses. I assume it would just be ISOs as image files. Um, but, you know, it's... it's the, the restricting of the keys is probably the most savvy way that Nintendo can stop it occurring. Yeah. Um, so this may actually be a pretty solid win for Nintendo. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. um, I mean they've always been in the market of doing this, right? Like they, I I don't know if Nintendo's necessarily anti-preservation because that's, that's the, you know, the nicer word for it, right? Is preservation, which I don't mean to make it sound like, you know, that's a bad thing. Like preservation is important. Um, but it's like a fine line, right? Are you emulating? Are you pirating? Are you preservationing? It's kind of all three wrapped into one weird, Bundle, you know, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately, Nintendo's trying to get rid of the pirates, which is, makes sense from a business perspective, but it's also hurting the preservationists,
1: which is unfortunate from like a culture perspective, you know? Yeah. Because there will be there will be a shit ton of Nintendo games that will just be disappeared off the Internet. Um, and I mean, I, this is an issue across all games, and especially we brought up earlier as libraries move to being digital um you know that's going to be harder and harder uh to to have that preservation or even games that we're seeing that like hey here's the disc of the game but the disc (laughs) won't function unless you get a separate 100 gigabyte download right Uh,
0: yeah i mean at least nintendo is doing a great job of preservation on their own right cataloging everything on their nintendo switch online system service that you can just play for a nominal fee
1: and all the games are there. It's also like, you know, a large part of what has like somewhat reduced piracy of like music and movies and TV shows is its availability. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I'm sure for a lot of people, you know, as opposed to pirating and emulating pokemon emerald or black and white black and white 2 which now retail for like 70 bucks um and that's if you get like a crap quality one that if they just put it up on the fucking service, just yeah. let people just let people let people give you money for the things that they want to play nintendo please <laughs> mm-hmm. like i bet you if there was
0: a virtual console on switch where all you have to do like it's just you can buy pokemon black or white for 20 bucks People would buy mm-hmm. the
1: shit out of that. Yeah, and we already know that that like the the Nintendo Switch online apps are just like emulation wrappers, and that you can you can put in a Pokemon game and it will just work, zero tweaks. You put in the ROM file, and it will work, and multiplayer and online works. Um, but yeah, but I mean definitely DMCAing this lockpick tool for their current console um i think that they've they've got to be feeling pretty happy with themselves um yeah you know i hope that it gets to like dmcas and like stopping it i really hope that they don't overstep and impose some incredible fine um for the rest of the life of the creator of this tool because it's not gary bowser yeah because that's just fucking weird Yeah. yeah yeah It definitely feels excessive. like it's
2: that over a line yeah i think yeah. that nintendo takes trademark law almost too seriously sometimes <laughs> like with a trademark legally you're supposed to technically go after anything that infringes on your trademark mm-hmm. but right. a lot of other companies are pretty fast and loose about it especially if it is something that kind of benefits their community at large they can you can kind of hand wave that for the most part legally um but Nintendo is just very black and white about it, and I think that, oh, especially in that case that Stretch just brought up, oh my gosh, um, like may take it a little too far. Like I understand imposing a fine for trademark infringement, like that's fairly normal, but taking someone's earnings for life is to me taking it a step too far because then you're, you know, there, you know, bankruptcy and stuff like that will come into play with with fines, but. Taking thirty percent of someone's earnings for the rest of their life impacts their life in such a significant way. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's pretty. This is probably just like swift retaliation for the uh, Tears of the Kingdom leaks, for sure. I feel like that's oh yeah, a big driver. Trying to, to look so. strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I mean, it makes sense. Like Tears of the Kingdom is the next big thing for the Switch. Like, yeah. like truly home run potential levels of big, right? So. I can see why they're very protective of it. Uh, let's shift over and talk about some games. Stretch, you've been playing Ravenlock, which comes out on Game Pass, right?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's out on Game Pass. It came out earlier. Well, it came out oh. last week. Nice. Um, it's by the developers Coco Cucumber. That um, they're like I found that they're a smaller studio, definitely. But the people who enjoy their stuff really enjoy their stuff. Um, they've got a really awesome art aesthetic with with this game with their last game echo generation and the game prior to that that they've kind of bundled them as their voxel trilogy but it's like very high quality voxels um so it's it's weird it's like i want to say it's like 3d pixelated characters but it's not like an 8-bit pixelated character it's like a 32-bit pixelated character kind of thing like it's it's good definition Um, but yeah, Ravenlock is just like, it's a fun, very short, very sweet adventure. Um, it took me like five and a half hours to beat the first time, um, where you are a character who has just moved to, uh, this new house, you know, out in the middle of middle of nowhere, rural town gets pulled through a mirror into a wonderland esque, um, esque situation complete with talking rabbits and a, you know, red queen who has an army of card, like symbolism underneath mm-hmm. her and stuff. And you just kind of you have to go around, you, you know, clear a whole bunch of side quests. The game did such a good job with my, like, ooh, a piece of candy desire um, that like you land in the world and it's like, oh, the queen's there. And it's like, here's your quest. Get to the queen. And it's like, oh, she's locked behind this door. Here's another quest. Get the three keys for the door. And then like every single person you talk to gives you more and more quest lines. Um, so you'll get like 15, 20 minutes into the game and you'll have seven or eight quests to complete. Um, you know, each of them having like their big check boxes underneath, uh, which I love. I'm such a, I'm such like an old piece of candy gamer. Right. Um, but what's really neat is how all of them, like, layer into them as well. You know, it's kind of like you're shuffling a deck and, like, okay, completing this objective on this quest will give you this item that you can then go into this quest and do that part and this, that, everything. And it just all comes together to be this really fun, really neat little story. Um, the combat is bland. Um, uh-huh. It is um, for for an, you know, action RPG Uh, there is, you know, you have your regular attack button and then as you play each shoulder button gets a different like magic spell, but you know, nine times out of 10, any enemy that you're fighting just by repeatedly mashing the attack button, you stun lock all of them. Um, so it's like, it's not even a thing to worry about. Um, are there any like bosses or something that like spice it up a bit? Yeah, there are bosses and they definitely, you know, they they don't get stunlocked to the same extent, um, but, you know, with with how basic the combat is and, you know, it really felt like, you know, mash as fast as you can, deal as much damage. Um, you'll always have like health potions and stuff. Mm. Uh, so you just, you, you know, press X to win um, very much gameplay wise, but it's really in the story and the sense of adventure that I had a lot of fun with. Um, and also going in between in between finishing Resident Evil 4 and then planning on getting back into Ragnarok to finally finish playing Ragnarok it was just such a nice little um, palette cleanser um, cute short five hour adventure mm-hmm. game looks beautiful runs great the the audio is really charming um, and just like a quick little experience and that's kind of I definitely think on Game Pass is where it will find its like sweet spot. Um, as I've seen some people play it and be like, "Oh wow, that was so fast!" Like, I hundred percent completed the game in seven hours, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's that's there can be room for the short experiences. But oh, <laughs> sure. everything needs to be a sixty-hour JRPG. Um, you know, as I look forward to Friday when I get my my hands on Tears of the Kingdom and i become a hermit shell of myself as i travel around hyrule on end.
0: Mm-hmm. Literally the 300 hour rpg of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah and cool. like i in the original game i got all of the shrines. I got at least 600 of the korok seeds like it was going back.
0: It was nice knowing you stretch. Uh, so yeah. the last you'll <laughs> we'll hear of him, last we'll see him. Uh, no. He but that, that's... in july yeah he emerges from the cave.
1: next weekend and i'm gonna have like sunken attack on titan eyes <laughs>
0: hey guys right. oh it's a really good game <laughs> you can only talk in the, the korok language <laughs> but that's Ravenlock. you can play it on game pass seems like a fun little experience great for achievement hunters seems like um yeah very um, easy thousand point yep yeah. something i will never understand not on but hey, yet though you do you um so I've been kind of no lifeing Jedi Survivor. I finished it. Rhett, you've also finished the game. Mm-hmm. Um we won't we won't talk spoilers yet. Uh, but I think I like Star Wars now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'm I'm like in general or I I like this <laughs> at least. I <laughs> I don't know about if if it's all of Star Wars quite yet, but it's definitely a stronger star wars story than i've come to expect from star wars uh i don't know maybe you, right you feel differently because you've seen more star wars than i have um i think the characterization of it of the, the characters are pretty strong much better than i expected but still not the best but you know
2: yeah I mean, from a, a character world building perspective for sure i think yeah. the the jedi series is very strong um You know, a lot of of Star Wars games are rehashing the same stuff we've already seen with, you know, uh, the fall of the Republic, the Clone Wars, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Force Unleashed is probably one of the more unique ones story wise. Um, And then, you know, you've got Jedi Academy and a lot of the others. I think we're working on a feature going through all of the Star Wars games and uh,
0: there's a lot. Um, There's like over 100 Star Wars games
2: yeah there's a lot and i think that what jedi survivor does is really good in the kind of character building that makes you really connect with the characters too um and we can probably talk more spoilers in a little bit but i think that i have you grow an attachment to a lot of the characters for sure um Mm -hmm. you know having Marin come back is awesome um seeing seer again and then meeting some of these newer characters is really really cool um and they do such a great job when it comes to the force echoes in telling some of those stories so you know you're wandering around the cantina or whatever and you hit a force echo and it's turgle's story Mm
0: -hmm, just of him crying
2: of him crying yeah like it's (laughs) phenomenal the world building they use uh The additional collectibles to kind of flesh things out even more Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it it adds to like For me a lot of collectibles in games are Filler But you know you may fall into a mine and find a body With Mm -hmm. a force echo on it And you kind of get the backstory of how that body got there Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's such a, a good way to fill out the world um in very short
0: like three to five second clips yeah they're they're basically like the bioshock audio logs just not as long
2: oh yeah they're like three to seven seconds at the most Mm -hmm. um all voice acted so you can kind of keep doing what you're doing without having to sit there and read it right um and i think that that's a really strong thing that that they've done for the for the world building Mm
0: mm-hmm yeah, I, I can't say I'm as attached to the collectibles. I know you went through a lot of them, partially for guide reasons, right? Um, for me, it just kind of got to a point where I, cust- like all of the, all of, or most of the, cust- like the, the exploration options are just customization. Like, do you want Kyle to have a mullet or not? Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of up to you if that's something you really care about. For me, like I kind of landed on a costume I liked and I was like, all right, whatever, this works for me. So I didn't care about it as much uh, to explore around, and the echoes are interesting, but to me, not enough where I'm like, I gotta get them all, personally. Um, yeah, uh, but I do like that as you progress through the game, they do give you if you explore certain spaces, they give you like, oh, now all the treasure chests show up on your hollow map, and all the echoes show up on your hollow map. So if you are one of those completionist type people, you know, it's the, the game makes it pretty accessible to do it for the most part.
2: They also don't force you to find every chest, which is nice. The only the only collectible that you basically have to. Well, there's two. One is the Pryorite shards, and there's 100 of them on Kobo. And then there are the seeds um, so that you can fully grow the garden. Mm -hmm. Um, But beyond that, like, it's it's pretty. Pretty freeform collectible. Like a
1: set dressing cherry on top kind of stuff. If you want to dive in, you can, but there's no force.
0: Yeah. Did you boot it up at all on um
1: on Epic or I've, no? I've not had a chance
0: to boot it up yet. Gotcha. because um, I, was... I, I was curious about your take on the combat, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of feel the combat is it's it's better than the first game for sure. Yes. Um, I I played it on the second to hardest difficulty, and I think there were still there were some encounters that were like this. Kind of feels like you're just going to get stun locked every time because Of how many enemies there are and how many, like the big boys that they throw at you sometimes. Um, so that gets a little bit annoying and frustrating to deal with, uh, I will say, but otherwise, I think it feels pretty good like swinging that lightsaber around, however you do it, whether it's you know, cross guard stance, dual wielding, blaster, whatever it is, right? Feels pretty good. Did you do all of the force tears? I don't know if there is there an achievement that pops up if you do all of them,
2: yes, but there are no. some of them are. F- fucking hard yes, like, like there's one of uh, the throw... two brain cores on mm-hmm. Coruscant is brutal uh, yeah. because you're fighting one and you also have to watch for the other one which if he happens to grab you he eats you and you start kill. over um and then there's the return of Ogdo Bogdo from the first mm. game where you fight two of them and they can just grab you with their tongue from across the arena yeah and those were the most frustrating part of that achievement was Mm. taking those two down and in the end I cheesed it um I like it times you uh, 15 minutes because I was just like doing everything I could to avoid them grabbing me Mm. um but yeah Yeah,
0: those two really did suck I was not a fan of either of them yeah yeah um I think let's go into spoilers uh so this is your warning now listener if you haven't finished Jedi Survivor pause this Go, go, finish it. You know, you're probably not that far away from the end, right? And uh, come back here,
1: and maybe, are, yeah. maybe as we like lean into spoilers, like this isn't something specifically for Survivor, but for the greater narrative of like the Star Wars universe. Like, I've I've finally been sitting down and catching up with um, Mandalorian season three and stuff, and I've seen some interesting discourse online on like the state of the Jedi and order 66 and have so many star Wars narratives are like, well, here's another slight survivor from order 66. Here's another survivor from order 66 and another, and another. And it's kind of come out to be that like a Jedi surviving order 66 seemed like it was a very big thing. Like, Oh, there's, there's still Jedi around like Obi-Wan survived. Like, like that's huge you know Obi-Wan survived but now it's like well Ahsoka survived (laughs) uh there's all of the the members of um who are the who are the bad guys in the Obi-Wan show um Darth Vader like the 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 Inquisitors yeah the Inquisitors that were all like younglings or Jedis that got turned bad and we've got Cal and you know cal's mates and it just seems to be that like like yeah you know it's not like there's millions of jedi out there but it seems like a lot of the stories keep having there being like oh here's another survivor here's another survivor what do you guys think that that does to the like initial impact of order 66 with so many survivors
2: i mean i think like there were so many Jedi, um, like a significant number, even in the High Republic. Like um, I was reading one of the books where something happens in hyperspace that sends shards of a ship across an entire solar system and causes like catastrophe on these planets, like ab- absolute you know, Armageddon type stuff. And they send like 70 Jedi in their ships to to combat this whole thing and so there's just there's so many it's not surprising that they slip through the gaps it is an easy story element if if we're being honest but I think that it also as long as they don't overdo it and we're not like here's another one here's another one here's another one like 75 times like it's it's still believable at the moment
0: I mean yeah the galaxy is a big place you know It's, it's pretty big, kind of hard to get around. So I get, you know, it totally makes sense to me. I think Star Wars also is kind of in that, um, it's in that corner of the, the, there are some stories out there that I know people like that don't start the Jedi. The problem is most of Star Wars stories start the Jedi. So it's like, if you're going to kill all the Jedi, you're killing Star Wars. Like, sorry to say, I know that there are a lot of people out there who say like, give us more stories without Jedi, like sucks to suck. You're only getting Jedi stories for the most part. I think that's just what Star (laughs) Wars is um so it's it's, a hu- it's, i
2: mean it's a huge plot point you go through the x-wing yeah. series where you're following rogue squadron after the destruction of the second death star and one of the main characters you follow you get like four books in and oh shit he's force sensitive mm-hmm. and then that become he becomes part of you know luke's new academy and all that stuff mm-hmm. this is all no longer canon but right um i thought that that We're, was one of
0: the strongest stories now right yep. yeah it's called We're legends, legends yeah. I mean look at look at Kyle Katarn from I think like Dark Forces, right? Mm-hmm. He was just a like I don't remember bounty hunter. It was, it was like a Doom clone, right? The game was just a shooter yeah. and then halfway through it's like oh he's force sensitive and you get the Jedi, you get the star la- the laser sword, right? It's like mm-hmm. okay, it doesn't matter anymore. Everyone's a Jedi. That's the only thing that's interesting in Star Wars. That's that's what Star Wars has been pushing for decades, right? So of course the Jedi are going to survive, right? Yeah. They have to Uh,
2: at the end of the day because they become it's a never ending cycle you look at each era, the Jedi are involved in some way, shape or form, whether it's Mm -hmm. High Republic, fall of the you know, fall of the Republic,
0: the New Order, so on and so forth. it'd be like having a Dragon Ball show without a Saiyan. Like, I'm sorry, that's just not going to work. <laughs> I think in the same way with Star Wars, it's hard to do Star Wars without something about Jedi. They, they
1: did try to release that video game, and as far as I can tell, people have not been enjoying it. The
0: Breakers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think that's just kind of where Star Wars is, whether that's fortunate or unfortunate, I think is up to the person. Yeah. Um, But I will say with bringing it back to Jedi Survivor, um, Survive is the big... The big word of the game. If you played a drinking game where you take a shot every time someone says survive, survivors, surviving in a cutscene, you are dead by the end yeah. of the game. Like true, yeah. I'm pretty sure at least once a cutscene, survive, comes up. You know? It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, to get into spoilers
2: to give another heads up to people who continue listening. Um we found another survivor like halfway through the we
1: game. We found two survivors yeah. throughout yeah. the game. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, that's why I was bringing it up. And especially like, you know, as, as, you know, I'm I'm rewatching Mandalorian and I knew that there was at least one. That's funny that there is two in almost uh, in th- survivor. Poten- potentially three. It's like two and a half. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, is um, Torgal of uh, a Jedi wielder? I fucking wish, man. I Bro, what if he either. was? A, what
2: if we what if we jar jarred him and he was a Sith? Yeah. Man, <laughs> sign me the fuck up. Yeah. Darth Rivet. Let's go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. OK, Yeah. so let's let's get into the first one you find in the story. Well, no, that's not fair. The first one that's revealed to be a Jedi, Dagan, Dagon, Dagon Gera. Dagon Gera. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah and Guerra, who seems to be the big bad of the game for part of it, he's the one, he's a High Republic Jedi who's been put in, in Back a sleep tank. chamber. Back yeah, to, he's been sure. because, like, Bacta will
2: keep you, it's, the way they use Bacta as, like, a story thing is is always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not, in no book have they ever used it to, like, basically cryogenically freeze someone,
1: but. Wait, sorry, what is Bacta? bacta is it's not um, jizz. It,
2: it's, uh it's like this plant that's harvested on i don't remember the name of the planet it's in the first knights of the old republic that uh is distilled into kind of a, a liquid that you can suspend people in and it heals them okay um, so like you know that's what luke was in in uh empire that mm-hmm. was a bacta tank
1: Okay. Um, that
2: he's floating in yeah and so you find Dagon in that and he's been there for like 200 years or something yeah, from um, the high republic from the high republic hadn't aged at all and i did not realize that was possible with a back to take
0: but well there we go i guess um i guess the the core um mcguffin of the story is you want to get the tantalore which I, I don't know for sure if it's introduced in this game, like if, if there has been other mentions of Tantalor in like the tomes or whatever. Okay, so this is the first introduction of it. Um, so Tantalor is this planet hidden behind an abyss that it's hard to get to. It's kind of like a Bermuda Triangle situation, like anyone who tries to fly it through it dies. But hmm. that also means it's hard to find, like the Empire can't find it. So Dagangera and his mentor slash partner, Centauri Kree, right? Um, God, Jedi names are so dumb. So they uh, they find Tannelor, they want to make it like a home base and they do make a temple there. Um, but then I think the Jedi Order wants to give it up right to the Empire or something along those lines.
2: They uh, didn't they didn't want to maintain it or something along those yeah, lines. They didn't want to defend um, it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and then that made Dogon very mad because he was like, this is our future. Uh, and he basically goes rogue and Centauri cuts off his arm puts him in the chamber, makes him grounds him basically in the chamber. makes him think about what he's done. And then when he comes out of it, when you free him, he goes, Sith. Is that what it means when they go red? Right. Mm-hmm. He basically turns evil. Turns um, in the dark side. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, on oh, this manhunt, like, you know, one track mind mission to get to Tantalor again.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the main early story element too, is the Bedlam Raiders and Ravis specifically, um, where it turns out that Ravis has been there for Dag and Gera the whole time. Um and, and Ravis is interesting too in, in kind of what he is and how he is. Like, obviously, he's extremely old, um, extremely resilient to damage. And so you find out that he's working with. Dagan and to get him to free him essentially like mm-hmm. because he has it's not like a blood oath like uh wookiees have but he's like very into
0: loyalty right
2: um, And so that I, was that was one of the big plot elements
0: too yeah i did think Dagan was pretty cool in that even though he only had one arm the way he uses the force is basically like he has an arm back which is i thought that was pretty fucking cool to see yeah. you know because he like dual wheels the saber and all that um but yeah, you eventually kill Doggan, and then it's revealed that the true big bad is your best friend, Bo Dacuna. The good the good old battery. I did harder. not
2: see that one coming.
0: Um so I, I saw the the teal turn coming, because to me it's like he seems very planted. He feels very like, yep, he's just a new part of the crew and you trust him immediately. Um, I was not expecting the force push, and then he pulls out the saber that yeah that's what I was not expecting yeah
2: that <laughs> threw me for a loop and I was like well shit okay um and that he's been working with the Imperials the whole time ever since he was captured or whatever mm-hmm. um very interesting yeah in terms of you know uh, another way to kind of I don't know catalyze cow as like a person um, just another betrayal, you know. Where early on in in Fallen Order, you're v- very slow to trust. Yeah, and now you trust, and that trust gets betrayed, and you lose your mentor and your mentor's mentor, um, <laughs> all because of one person.
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh, Bode kills. Well, he kills Eno Cordova, right? Yeah, but he but... called
2: Vader in. Right. Ultimately, that got
0: her killed. Yeah, because there was that cool bit where you play a seer for a bit, and you actually fight Vader, and it you basically almost kill him. Kind of. He seems pretty beaten down, but I mean, name a Star Wars game where that happens. You know, I feel like didn't that happen with Force Awakens 2 Right? Like, yeah. Or Force Unleashed too. Um, but I mean, I think it was executed pretty interestingly here, and with bode what i liked is that his motivations felt very sony first party game um (laughs) (laughs) because he 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 wants to yeah he's a mad dad who wants to protect his daughter right which like you know i think parenthood is an easy kind of story motivator but it's interesting to use it from a villain's perspective right because basically the crux is Cal wants to use Tantalor as a base to fight the empire. Like he wants to build forces on Tantalor to fight the empire. While Bode has been wanting to use Tantalor as a safe, like humble sanctuary away, not like a a military base kind of energy. So that's where the divide comes in. And that's why he betrays Cal because he wants to keep Tantalor safe for his daughter, which it's one of those decisions that makes sense at the first second. And then the more you think about it, the more it's like, how are you going to get food, man? Um, so And she, and when you get there
2: too she's also like Miserable she's like it's It's so empty mm-hmm. Um And it was I take a lot I will say I take a lot of issue with the indie, um mm. In that you know Cal, Cal is Cal he doesn't want To kill Bode but Bode forces Him right and then You essentially adopt His daughter and that, that's the end of the game
1: and it's like kill her dad okay so like her dad.
2: we just yeeted this dude and his daughter's like completely chill with it very strange and how old is the, the daughter game, she's probably like, like
0: five six seven okay like
2: somewhere between five and, and ten I, w- I would guess um and you know she quickly become you know Marin and cal are now her space dad and mom um mm-hmm. But it just felt like it ended very abruptly. Like, we did all of this stuff for Tantalor to get to Tantalor. And then it's just like, yeah, let's bumble around the galaxy now. Um, And if you're jumping from planet to planet, you get interactions between Marin and Cal and uh, Grease and his daughter. But really nothing past that in terms of, like, what's coming. So maybe the third one is where they actually do the Tantalor stuff. But I was hoping there would be some kind of, like, cut off of where it's like here's what's next mm-hmm. um and it just felt very abrupt in terms of okay we killed Bode it's game's done
0: great work yeah I, I agree that it feels abrupt and i also i i didn't believe the sudden transition from being Bode's daughter to now Cal's stepdaughter energy yeah. right um, but i also kind of chalk that up to star wars writing i've always felt star wars writing especially for characters can be a little hollow and you know, just like, yeah. that's what it is on the face. You like it or you don't, right? Um, so I did feel that was a misstep. And as far as where the game has been up to this point, where all the characters do feel pretty, like they're given moments and time to flesh things out. Like, I think the, the Cal and Marin romance reblossoming throughout the game, I thought that was done fairly well in a believable way. Um, but this was definitely like a sudden, yep, you're my dad now, I guess. And I mean, she's not like... <laughs> the happiest about it at first but it's not like there's a moment there's there really isn't a moment to give them time to process and talk about it for the viewer you know
2: yeah Yeah, I was hoping there would have been more more there to kind of build that relationship to where it became I don't want to say natural but like just believable Mm -hmm. um it it did feel very abrupt yeah Mm -hmm. like all right we left Tantalor She's cool with everything. Cal and Marin had a chat with her about, you know, how to get past this kind of emotional damage. Right. Um, and that was it. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. And maybe it was because the kid, you know, understood that like dad was a fucking dumbass and just kept going. But <laughs> um Cal's like, I don't want to kill you. And he's just and he goes at him again, and Cal has to fucking double tap him. Um Which was savage as fuck. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He's just like, pow, pow. I'm like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah. I mean, I I think that speaks to what Cal is becoming, right? I mean, there's definitely... I think they've been hinting at it for most of the game that he's brushing up to the dark side, right? Like, that's what Seer was going through in the first game. Um, And there's a moment, I remember this pretty clearly from the game where when you're chasing after Bode, right? Like, after he first reveals that he's a traitor your
2: your time slow like completely changes
0: yeah well that yeah that happens when you're in the base but even like when you're entering so you you go to this frozen Meteor thing, like an asteroid where there's an Imperial base. Yeah, Nova So you go there and and that was a point where I was like, okay, it's late in the night. I'm going to stop here. So I went to the meditation point and rested and then I looked at my skills tree just to see what I could spend on and your skill tree or like the the clouds behind it are red now instead of blue. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to keep playing a little bit. I was like, all right, there's going to be some dark side shit going on here. Um, I wanted to see what that would be about. And then I ran into a bug where BD wouldn't work. So I was like, okay, fine, whatever, I'm done. Because it is still, there's still a few bugs throughout the game. I think I crashed yeah. like three or four times. Um, But yeah, you do get a little bit of dark side in this. Now it's just that when you go into your your devil trigger mode, your super mode, whatever you want to call it, um, you just get stronger because you're tapping into the dark side. Um, I expect if there is a third game in this, which feels like it's, probably coming it does feel very sequel Uh dark side is going to be a skill tree or something about it you know
2: which is pretty classic Ooh. for a lot of Star Wars games too usually you can try, kind of choose light side dark side
1: um, watch it be uh, the, the daughter is all grown up Cal went missing decades ago and there's now an evil new masked Sith and oh surprise it's Cal <laughs> <laughs> yes. <It's> Darth Bingus.
0: <laughs> yeah. He's even
1: got like the mullet built into his like helmet and cowl. <laughs> I love
0: it. That would be so good. On I your mean, shorts, poncho. Yeah. I mean, throughout the game, I was honestly expecting them to set up a thing where they fuck off to Tanalore and then in some future Star Wars something, like post episode nine, it's like Elder Cal with an army of Jedi. And they would somehow play into some new story. But yeah. I mean, I guess that's still possible, right? Like the game ends in a way where like Tantalor are new base.
2: Which is kind of what I thought was going to happen was like, that was where it would end to where, you know, they're there and they're starting to set things up. It's not like finished it's, but it's early stages of, you know, all right, we're here. We've got some of our friends and people here. And then it just kind of pans off to credits and that was kind of what i was expecting the payoff to be in terms of there's obviously going to be a sequel like there's no way you don't kind of follow this whole thing up but to not really get the inclination of like what the next steps were i think was was what
1: threw me the most mm-hmm. yeah and i mean in terms of like we we know that the star wars media you know, Empire. There's like, there's a lot of, a lot of fire being put under Kathleen Kennedy, to like get some more consistent, some more good stuff out, um, and like we've got a movie coming for like the first Jedi. Um, we've also got the one about like the new Jedi Order that Daisy Ridley will be training. So it would be very easy to throw, uh, to throw an elder cowl cameo in there um i think it's just it's kind of weird that where cal is in the timeline is kind of not really where anything in the past is set and not really where anything in the like in the like present is set yeah so it's just a weird place for uh for those stories to be
2: when you're kind of like mid peak of the empire for the most part like yeah you'd you'd be like years um that you know they're they've kind of grown out into what the empire came to be they're they're everywhere
1: because this happened like cal's timeline is like around a new hope or like prior to a new hope right
2: yeah i think it would be before yeah it would be pre-for if i remember and it's probably around the same time as rebels
1: okay yeah, because it's just like that weird, ones. like, 16-year window where where that can occur. But, yeah, I mean, I guess Rebels happens there, but nothing else is happening there. We've got everything happening with Mandalorian, Boba Fett, and stuff 30, 40 years in the future. Um, but uh, not much else. Yeah.
0: Boba Fett does show up in this game, too, actually. Uh, it's, oh, he, he makes a little cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so, kind of what Star yeah. Wars is, though, right? It's just a bunch of cameos. Yeah.
1: Okay. It's pre pre okay.
0: Well, you had so. Zeb in
2: uh uh Mandalorian from Rebels too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, love that, I love that cameo. I love that you'll talk about like, oh, I was on this frozen this frozen meteorite and and Rut knows the name, or the Dagon was suspended in in Goo for two hundred years, but based on his knowledge from this book and this book, he's never heard of it be used this or that way. But I got to stump him last week with the musical <laughs> stylings Jizz. of yeah. jazz. It's <laughs> just like the it's the the encyclopedic knowledge, but not knowing like the baseline like haha this is a funny fun fact <laughs> like
2: you're, you're all so deep into
1: the
0: facts. yeah
1: you're so yeah. deep into the iceberg you don't even know that there's a mariachi band on top of the iceberg yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he's
0: beyond jazz. <laughs> yeah but i name all of I my
1: computers after star destroyers so <laughs> hmm. I, it sounds like a really cool game i'm definitely looking forward to getting to it at some point when that will be it might be when it hits game pass in all honesty <laughs> I, mean, I think maybe. you like
2: the ex- exploration and the puzzles a lot
1: like uh, the, the, platforming the jedi is a lot chambers of
2: definitely were um a highlight in terms of figuring out how to get to, from point a to point b and only after i watched other people's youtube videos did i realize i went a i accomplished them in a very different way than everyone else
1: mm-hmm. um you gotta love so. when a game like Opens up. There's no like set right way to do it, but they give you that chance to, to like look at all of the tools and maybe abilities that you have or have not put into, and and adjust your approach with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be fair, we're all about to play another game with a bunch of Jedi chambers, and it's called Tears of the Kingdom because those were basically Breath of the Wild shrines, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just through the lens of Jedi, um, like they even kind of have similar like architecture. Almost kinda it kind I mean, feels pretty and, weird. And you go into them and beat up droids and pick up their light swords. Yeah. So, so it's all the so same. Link is a Jedi, is what we're saying.
1: Yes. yes. Essentially. I mean, yeah, when you when you when you first see him wake up at the Shrine of Resurrection at the start of Breath of the Wild and all of the Bacta gets emptied out of his uh his vat Yeah. Yeah, he comes it's out the of the Bacta. Thing. Right hell link even has like a weird robotic arm in this new game (laughs) and he uses the force to fuse things together yeah no it's straight up he he is
0: he is a jedi yeah i guess the magnesis is almost kind of the force (laughs) yeah a
1: little bit yeah Mm -hmm. definitely
0: yeah but i don't know overall like i've always been kind of lukewarm on star wars but this you know jedi survivor i think was pretty good i'm kind of like very eager to see what the future of this jedi franchise will do i mean if there is like a third game like if they're planning to do something else i would not be surprised but i could also see them kind of leaving it at that because right now it does have very potential like i kind of walked out of it the same feeling as like thor love and thunder if you know how that movie ends it's definitely got a
1: similar feel um yeah a lot of the times where you guys were talking about like well he's now You killed the guy and then you've now adopted his daughter. And I was like, wow, that's very similar to Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're both
0: owned by Disney. Mm -hmm. That's true. I mean, honestly, I just want to see more of Cal and Marin. I I like them together. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. Yeah.
1: So does that mean that the new Jedi has gotten away with like, or has gone away from like the celibacy stuff? Like, no. Technically, they
2: weren't celibate. They just okay, what, what weren't were supposed they technically, to like, but... married, or have like deep attachments.
1: So, so you could fuck, you just couldn't care about it. Y- you had that's to kind be of, fuck... That's
2: kind of the the implied <laughs> bit I've gotten over the years. Yes.
0: Yeah. So all Jedi are fuckboys. You <laughs> have be a fuckboy to be a Jedi.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's I a be, lot of fuckboys.
0: Yeah. yeah, if you watch
2: like Rebels, um or was it Clone Wars? Clone Wars, uh, the TV Mm. show Obi-Wan has a very close connection to the ruler of Mandalore. Uh, Mm. And he's like, and he literally says to her, like, had you said the word, I would have left the Jedi Order. Um, So there's a lot of that in Star Wars. I think that a lot of kind of implied type stuff.
0: Mm. Here they they don't quite imply as much as they just kind of. I mean, I guess they don't show anything explicit necessarily, but there's definitely just like full on like making out in the game. Are they fucking
2: (laughs) in some sandy ass cave in the middle of Jedi? Yeah, it's it's a sacred
0: space, but yeah, that's Jedi Survivor. I mean, it's not bad. I, I wish the performance issues weren't as annoying because they definitely kind of plagued some of my time with it. But otherwise, you know, I think it's on PC, Played on PS5, but still got a few crashes and like bugs that kind of made me have to restart the game. Um, but otherwise I think the story was, you know, fine. The ending may be a little polarizing for some people, but it has me very curious about what's next. And that I think is maybe a mark of a interesting story, you know? Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. They did um,
0: good. They did all right for Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know if I'm going to watch any other Star Wars thing though. Maybe Andor. I hear good things about it, but
2: Definitely watch Andor. Like it's different than any other Star Wars media.
1: That's what uh-huh. I hear. Yeah, they only find one person who survived Order 66 in Andor.
2: <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, his name is It's Luke very Skywalker? Like spy thriller more so than
0: anything else gotcha I think that does it for this week's episode of the Tech Raptor podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and if you did, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on, and let us know down below what was the most interesting thing from the uh, Phil Spencer interview that you latched onto. What's something that you? What's an insight that you saw that maybe we didn't see? We'd love to hear and read your thoughts, which you can post down on the YouTube comments down below, or if you're on our site, you can check out the comments down there too. Um, If you want more news, reviews, features, etc. from us, we are always posting every day of the week at TechRaptor.net. But if you want more of this show, we'll be back next Monday, potentially with some Tears of the Kingdom's thoughts. It depends on how much time we get in that video game because it comes out on a Friday. We will see you then. Bye.